Good morning. It's lovely to be here with you this morning. Now, those of us who've been here over the last few weeks at church might remember that at the beginning of January and into February, we've been following a series looking at our new church purpose statement and the five values that we're seeking to embed into our life here at Holy Trinity. And today, we get to the value all involved. And the wording that's been written to go with it says this, all involved in welcome, worship, mission and ministry, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So before we get into our passage from Luke chapter 5, I'd like to ask you first just to think about what is the first response that comes to your mind when you hear those words, all involved? Perhaps some of us feel excited at the prospect of getting involved or continuing to be involved in what God is doing in this place. Perhaps there are others of us who feel that it's not really for us. Maybe we think that we're too busy to add something else into our lives. Maybe we feel like we don't really have a lot to offer. Or perhaps we feel that we're quite happy just to turn up to church on a Sunday and go away and live life our way during the week. Maybe there are others of us who, knowing that my day job involves managing rotors in the church office, might be a bit concerned that I'm going to use the next 20 minutes to try and fill the gaps in the rotors. I'm not, by the way. Well... Whatever our first thoughts are about this passage and about the value all involved, let's come to God's word this morning, open to what he might want to say to us through it. We're going to take a look at the journey that Simon Peter went on through his encounter with Jesus and then consider what relevance it might have for our own lives too. So do have your Bibles open. We're on page 1032 and you can follow along with us. And let me pray for us as we get started. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak into our hearts by your Holy Spirit this morning. Would you open our eyes to behold you and our hearts to respond. Show us how we can be involved. In your name. Amen. So at the start of our passage in Luke chapter 5, We have Jesus standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which, by the way, is just another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's not a whole different place. We're just the Sea of Galilee. Imagine the scene there as he is teaching a crowd of people and they're all pushing in closer, trying to hear what he's saying. It would be a bit like if you all stood up out of your seats now and came to the front of church crowding around me. Don't don't do it. I think it would be a bit claustrophobic. But that's the idea. And Jesus didn't have one of these lovely microphones in those days. So the idea about getting into a boat and putting out from shore was so that he could be heard more clearly by everyone who was there. So Simon Peter's there with his boat, and he's amongst a group of his fishermen friends as they're getting on with the task of washing their nets after an unsuccessful night's fishing. And I reckon he was pretty tired. He'd been working all night, And, you know, he might even have also been a bit grumpy that Jesus was interrupting him 
in his task of washing the nets and finishing up the night's work before he could go home, have a rest, and prepare to do it all again the following night. But Simon did know who this was, who was asking to get into his boat. Because just a little bit earlier, at the end of chapter 4, we read how Jesus had healed Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. So Simon is not meeting Jesus for the first time. He knows a bit about the sort of miracles he can perform. And he's heard him teach as well. So he puts aside any tiredness, grumpiness, resentment, and he welcomes Jesus aboard the boat, putting out from shore as requested, so that Jesus can be heard more clearly. But that's not the end of the story. When Jesus had finished teaching, he instructs Simon to go out into the deeper water and let down the nets to catch fish. Now, I get why Simon might have a few questions at this point. For a start, he is the one with experience of fishing. And Jesus, he's a carpenter. Simon's worked hard all night and not caught anything. So why would it be different this time? What Jesus is asking him to do does not make sense at the level of Simon's fishing experience. But again, he is respectful of who Jesus is. He calls him master. Now, that was just a general term for anyone in authority. But despite his reservations, he is prepared to take Jesus at his word and obey. And then, contrary to all the laws of common sense and practical wisdom, the miracle happens. A catch of fish so large that it could not be contained within Simon's own boat. His friends in the other boat come over and help. He couldn't manage by himself. They were indeed all involved. Simon's amazed and he is beginning to get a sense that Jesus might be more than just a teacher or a healer. He's starting to see him in a more profound way than he has before. Simon calls Jesus Lord now and he falls at his feet in recognition of his own sin in the face of Jesus' authority. And although he stops short of actually naming Jesus as God or Messiah, there are echoes of times in the Old Testament where individuals such as Isaiah and also Job have encountered God and responded by becoming more aware of their own sinfulness. So for Simon... The final stage on the journey comes when they're pulling the boats back onto shore, heavily laden with fish. Jesus calls him to a new role, to be a fisher for people rather than for fish. And this would mean following Jesus, giving his whole life to him and being part of his mission to bring people to know him. Simon doesn't hesitate. He and his companions are all in. They leave their boats, their nets, their livelihood, and they follow Jesus. Even that miraculous catch of fish is left behind on the shore. Because the point of the story is not in the miracle itself, but in what the miracle showed about who Jesus is and the authority he has to call Simon to follow. So there are a few points along the way 
where things could have got in the way for Simon and stopped him from following Jesus. He could have been too focused on cleaning his nets to notice or respond when Jesus got into the boat. He could have been too sure of his own past experience in fishing to dare to believe that Jesus' presence could make a difference, that it could be different this time. And he could have been too overcome by his own sinfulness or inadequacy to believe that Jesus really was holding out an invitation to him to follow, to get involved. Plenty of chances for obstacles to get in the way for Simon. So what about us? Let's imagine ourselves into the story now and reflect on what our own response to Jesus might be if we were in Simon's shoes. So when we're going about our daily life, Monday to Saturday, how willing are we to allow Jesus to interrupt our agendas, as Simon did when he was cleaning the nets? When we're juggling the multiple demands and responsibilities of daily life, it can become all-encompassing. You know, we focus on our work, our families, children, grandchildren, parents, even church life too. It's all good stuff, don't get me wrong. But it can fill our vision and our hearts and minds to such an extent that we might just miss out on seeing ways in which Jesus is asking to step into our boat, into our life, and inviting us to come along with him. And how about when life is difficult and we face challenging times? Where do we turn? Simon had had a tough night fishing and he was preparing to try again the next day, plodding on, relying on his own experience and the help of his friends. And understandably, he was a bit reluctant to believe that things could be different simply because Jesus was in the boat with him. He'd been fishing before. But this time it was different. The presence of Jesus transformed the situation and the outcome. And I think for us, it can be easy to fall back on our own experience. You know, I've, I've got through this before and I will do again. And also we naturally rely on our friends. And both of those are great strategies for coping with tough times. But are we open to the possibility that the ultimate transformation might come when we invite Jesus into the boat, listening and obeying his word and relying on his presence with us to make a difference. And how about when we start to get a little bit of an idea about what it is that God might want of us, but we feel overwhelmed by our own inadequacy, And our response in our hearts is effectively, oh no, Lord, I couldn't possibly do that. Ask someone else. Simon fell at Jesus' knees, acknowledging his own shortcomings. This was a natural response to being in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, you know, Jesus doesn't contradict Simon. He doesn't say, oh no, you're absolutely amazing. You're a star. You'll be a real asset to the team. You know, Simon is not perfect. He is human, just as we all are. And yet, Jesus calls him 
and uses him just as he is. All he needed to do was trust in Jesus and commit to follow him. I wonder whether we relate to Simon at any of those stages in the story. Are there times when we're so preoccupied with our daily life that we don't notice Jesus standing there, asking to step into the boat? When life is tough, do we fall back on our own experience? Or do we allow for the possibility that it might just be different this time because Jesus is there? And when we feel like we have nothing much to offer, are we willing to believe that Jesus might just want to use us anyway, as we are, despite our inadequacies and failings. Simon's perspective was changed in this story as he began to realise who Jesus is and to recognise his authority as Lord over his life. That is what led Simon to the point of being prepared to leave everything on the shore and step out in faith to follow Jesus. So I've got two questions for us to reflect on for ourselves this morning. Firstly, who is Jesus to us? Have we come to know him for ourselves as our Lord and Saviour? Simon had only caught a glimpse at this stage in the story of who Jesus is. But in the pages of the Bible, we see him as God's own son. Come to earth to live and die to deal with our sin once for all. And make it possible for us to relate to God as our father. If you're not sure that you've received Jesus as your Lord and saviour, then do come and have a chat to Patrick or myself after the service and we'd love to talk to you more about how you could do that for yourself. Because for Simon and for us, the call to follow Jesus only makes sense if we know who this Jesus is, who is calling us to follow. But secondly, For those of us who do know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, and I know there are many of us here who've been following that path for many years, will we hear again today his call to follow him, to get involved in what he longs to do in our lives, in this church, in Claygate and beyond, and will we play our part in doing so? To help us think about what following this call might mean for us, I want to return to the words that Jesus spoke to Peter in verse 4 of the passage. Put out into deep water. And we're going to spend a little bit of time with those words, considering how they might help us work out our own response to the call to get involved. Put out into deep water. It implies being out of your depth, doesn't it? I remember when I was a child, I had swimming lessons at school in a really cold, horrible, open-air swimming pool where even in the middle of summer, it was absolutely sub-zero temperatures. And every time you came up for a breath as you were swimming, my mouth filled with all the leaves and the other debris that was on the surface of the pool. It was truly grim. Little wonder that I was not a confident swimmer. And I absolutely hated going in the deep end of that pool. 
I hated the feeling of not being able to touch the bottom. It didn't feel safe, it felt out of control. But there was one thing that made a difference. And it was one of these. Now, the one I had when I was a child didn't look this lovely. This is one that someone's lent me for the occasion today. The one I had was white and rectangular and a bit sort of moth-bitten around the corners. But having a swimming float in my hand made all the difference in the world to how I felt about being in the deep end of the pool. Because as long as I held on to this float, I knew that I was safe. I could push off from the water, and my feeble efforts at swimming would eventually get me to the far side of the pool, and my head would stay above the surface of the water. Put out into deep water, it can be a scary place to be. But with the help of the swimming float, it can be a chance to push off from the side in faith and build up those swimming muscles as you make your way across the pool with supported by the float. And thinking now in terms of God's call to us, put out into deep water can also sound rather scary, a call to step out of our comfort zone. But it can also be a step of faith, relying not on a swimming float, but on the presence of God's Holy Spirit to strengthen, guide and uphold us as we follow God's call. I can think of a number of times in my own life where I felt God calling me to put out into deep water, to step out in faith and rely on him to lead and support me. Some of them were big things, like the first time I stood in front of a class of teenagers to teach a chemistry lesson. I mean, talk about scary. Uh, Also the time that I applied for the job working in the church office. And more recently, beginning to explore God's call to ordain ministry. But also, there are so many smaller things where it's not a massive life-changing step, but it's just a small thing that God is calling me to do where it also feels like putting out into deep water because it requires stepping out in faith and relying on God's Spirit to lead and support me. Those sorts of things might be speaking to a friend about Jesus, offering to pray for someone, going to visit someone if God prompts you to do so, and so on and so on. Opportunities to step out of your comfort zone. And for me, on all of those occasions, it would have been so much easier not to take that step. But had I not done so, I would have missed out on a chance to go deeper in my journey with God to rely on him, to have the privilege of being involved, of being part of his work in this place. Because if you step out in faith, the rewards are amazing. And you have the Holy Spirit to lead and support you every step of the way. But if you don't, then you might never know what you're missing out on. So as I finish this morning, I'd like to go back to our value for today, 
all involved. And just offer a few practical thoughts about how we might make our own response to God's call. Because for most of us, this isn't going to involve a dramatic change in our daily lives. But it will offer us a new perspective. And by God's grace, will make us more fruitful than if we just press on in our own strength, following our own way. So as we go about our daily lives this week, could we keep our eyes open to see how we might make a difference to someone else's day in a small way? If we go into a shop, could we offer a smile to the shop assistant rather than just staying in our own mind, being preoccupied with our own thoughts? Who could we chat to in a queue as we're waiting to be served? Which of our friends might welcome a phone call or some company this week? Who could we pray for? Might there be an opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus or to invite someone to church next week? or to the men's breakfast, or the women's breakfast, or another event in the calendar. Might God be prompting you to get involved in some other way? And let's remember, we do not take these steps of faith into deep water on our own, but we have the Holy Spirit to fill us, hold us, lead us, and strengthen us as we follow God's call together with one another, all involved in welcome, worship, mission and ministry, empowered by the Holy Spirit. May we all hear and respond to that call. Amen.